Hello and welcome to another edition of the Modern Times Podcast. This one's our new hooray for Hollywood with longtime entertainment and entertainment journalist Tom Johnson. How you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great, John. Thank you. We have our first guest today, too, which is very exciting. Um, let's just jump right in and introduce our guest and let's get started. I'd be happy to. Uh, today on our uh, first hooray for Hollywood show... We have a guest, a friend of mine, Ivan Ladizinski. He's a film editor and was chief editor on TV Survivor for a mind-boggling 25 seasons. That translates to 12 and a half years, if you can believe it. (laughs) Uh, During that time, he got eight Emmy nominations for his work on that groundbreaking reality show. He's going to talk to us a little bit about that, too. And before that, in 2000, uh, in the year 2000, he cut one of my personal favorite itchy comedy series, called Action. I don't know how many of you remember that out there. It was it starred Jay Moore and Ileana Douglas. Mm. It was absolutely hysterical. Oh, yeah. uh, and since then, uh, he's oscillated between reality TV shows, cutting them, and independent feature films. So, uh, Ivan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much, Tom. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, I guess let's just get right into the questions. Um, film editing is called The Invisible Art. Uh, I've heard that said, I think by you, actually. <laughs> and uh, can you tell me exactly what you mean by that? Can you tell the listeners what, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's, uh, when, it's, when it's done right, um, it's invisible, what the editor does. And it's, uh, I'm taking a, a, little, a little quote from uh, Hitchcock, who uh, said that uh, editors don't uh, cutting, he doesn't like the word cutting because cutting... Uh, uh, it brings to mind uh, severing something <laughs> or scissors or a knife. He said it's actually assembling, uh, and, and that's where the word montage comes from. It's like the assembling of pieces of a whole bunch of pieces to create a whole, uh, and then that those that those pieces move in rapid succession in front of your eye at 24 frames a second, and when that happens, that creates an idea or that creates an emotion or that creates you know. The kinds of things you you uh, you sense when you're watching a movie or, or a right. television show. So uh, uh, generally, generally you uh, uh, to quote one of your fa- favorite directors, Victor Fleming, who both who did uh, Wizard of Oz and did God of the Wind. Absolutely. He said he said good editing makes the film look well directed. Great <laughs> editing makes the film look like it wasn't directed at all. Wow. Oh boy, that's great. Yeah. And so so really good editing. I mean, you you will be absorbed in a movie. You go for a ride. You go with the characters, and you don't pay attention to any of uh, uh, of the technical things that went into making manipulated uh, you into that state. So right. that's it's what it is. A, yeah, it's a state of I guess just seamlessness. That yes. you know, uh, it's what they used to call uh, say about Fred Astaire, where you know he would do a dance that was just incredibly difficult, but he made it look as easy as breathing that everyone could do it. And, and I guess that was the, the art and the hard work behind it. You know, yeah, exactly. that, that's know? right. Very that's cool. Right. What, uh, now what, you know, optimally, what do you try to achieve with every TV show that you edit or films? Uh, in other words, what, what's your personal aesthetic kind of benchmark that you try to hit? And is that, governed by what the director or the producer wants? I'm sure there's a push-pull all the time with stuff that you're working on. Yeah, it, it, it sort of depends. Um, it's, 
it's uh, what I try to do, and it, it hasn't mattered whether I was doing a drama or a comedy. Uh, it's kind of what I, I, we've talked about at having coffee. Drama, comedy, documentary, uh, reality show, whatever it is, it's, it's you're looking for honesty. You're looking for truth in, in the footage in a way. Um, it's, it's sometimes I'm looking for uh, nonverbal communication in a performance, per, per se. So it's a, mm-hmm. a pauses that happen between the lines. And, and, and sometimes when I'm editing, I'm looking for space. Uh, I'm looking for a great reaction. I'm looking for something in the eyes or a, or a twitch or a move that someone does with their entire body. Uh, sometimes that reveals a lot to an audience, even more than the words do. Mm-hmm. So my cutting tends to be, I tend to give just a little more air uh, between performances. Um, and, and, and really, uh, the editor's, editor's biggest important part of, uh, of going through footage is scrutinizing the material really analyzing it is the analysis that people go, oh, it's cutting this, cutting that. No, no, it's really analyzing every single frame uh, and finding uh, the gold, these little golden bits of, um, uh, of emotion, which is, is the number, re- number, number one thing you're looking for when you're cutting as well is, is emotion. You're looking that that's going to take, take uh, precedent over even continuity and things like that, because if it's strong enough, and it affects the audience enough, they won't pay attention sometimes to small mistakes, you know, in the background or, or so on. So uh, it's, it's basically cutting for emotion and cutting for something that even in, even in the craziest, uh, you know, horror movie or whatever, if you can find real human moments in that piece, people are going to believe the entire story more. Right, right. Now, Ivan, that brings up, that sort of begs the question, though, what happens when you've cut a piece or, you know, you're, you're on board with the director, the producer, you get the footage, you're working on your Avid at home, your, your, uh, your editing machine. And, you know, I've seen your home office. It's really amazing. And, but then there's a disconnect between the director and the producer, or you get notes that might be totally at variance with what you just said, what, what you're looking for and what you're cutting. And then you give them, you know, you give them a cut and they're like, mm-hmm. wait a second, has that ever happened to you? And how do you deal with that? Oh, well, that happens with, that happens to everybody, everybody in this town. I mean, it, it, what, what one has to remember is all, almost everybody, whether you're a director of photography, an editor, a production designer, a costumer, hair person, all the people, the craft people who make movies and television, they are very passionate about their craft, right? It's like, you know, you might be passionate about great books or great music or great, I don't know, all these people are passionate about their craft. Uh, at the same time, it's an industry. It's a business. The entertainment industry, it's like, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, an industry town here in Los Angeles, especially. Um, it's like a you know, coal mining town anywhere else in Virginia, Pennsylvania. So it's, 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 it's main uh, modus operandi in LA, you know, it's to make money, right? They're making, right. That's why they're making all the superhero movies and everything else. So <laughs> one tries to infuse one's artistic uh, sensibilities or taste into the footage that they have. Uh, and then, and then you're, you're hopefully you, you've been hired by a director and or a producer that, uh, you know, you've had some conversations with them before you took the job and they like your point of view or they like your sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So right. hopefully that's the thing. When you do get those notes, um, you know, it's, it's, there is a, there is a hierarchy in this business and the producer and the directors, they are the, the head people. 
and uh, you you know you have to you have to follow through with what the, what they want. Uh, the editor uh, and, and features and, and TV are a little different, but in a feature movie, you know, the editor serves the vision of the director, mm-hmm. and and usually the best editing. Uh, Victor Fleming is very nice saying what he says, but at the same time, the best editing comes from what the best directors and cinematographers and everything else have given the editor. You know, it's like I always say, you can you can only create uh, so much with the clay that you've been given. You know, right. you can only make right. something with you know. So, so it's it's a huge collaborative effort. Uh, movies are um, and TV are that way. I think it was. Uh, Someone, I think Orson Welles once said that uh, you know if you if you want to be a painter, all you need is an easel and some, some paints and a brush. If you're a, even if you're a composer, musician, all you actually need is a piece of paper and a pencil, and you can write at the piano. But if you're a filmmaker, you need an army yeah. of people. Yeah. So that's that's uh, it's it's always collaborative, and uh, you know hopefully you're working with people that are all on the same page, and uh, it's a joy to collaborate with them. Right. What, what, in your opinion, I mean, uh, you, you know, thinking back, uh, do you consider to be great examples of film scenes or sequences that, you know, whose excellence belongs to the film? Are there any things that you can think of, any examples where you said, oh, my God, this, was, uh, this, this cut here or this sequence is just amazing how it comes off, and, and that's all due to the editor? Uh, it's, it's, um, I, I have to say it's probably, it's never, never all due to the editor. Um, I think again, like I said, when I, when I think of the, uh, any, any, any movie or television show that really turns me on, mm-hmm. it's always, it's always because the director had a great vision. The director knew what he wanted. He, he, he directed and, and, and placed the camera along with the, the director of photography in such ways, knowing more or less how it was going to come together in an editing room. Um, and uh, if they're lucky, they're successful. I mean, uh, many, uh, you know, you, you, you into an editing room with maybe 75% of your vision uh, that worked, and then there's a bunch of other stuff that didn't work, and then it's the editor's job along with the director to brainstorm and troubleshoot and try to make make the best out of what you have. Um, schedules, schedules also crunch the creative process quite a bit, uh, more and more in movies and in television. So uh, time tends to be golden, and uh, a lot of that's been taken away for <laughs> financial reasons as well. Well, and how do you deal with that? I mean, under a tight deadline, uh, you know, I mean, I guess he just it's burning the midnight oil and, and you got to come through, but are there any, uh, you know, little words of wisdom that you can give or little things, tricks of the trade that you've learned along, the, you know, through the years that allow you to be able to kind of work under a pressure deadline better than maybe others? It's, it's lots of hours. That's what, that's all it is. I mean, I think, I think if you're, if you, if you care about your work, you know, you're passionate about your craft. Uh, when some people go home at uh, seven o'clock at seven thirty, you're there until nine or 10. And it's, and it's just, it's just, um, it's it's just necessary. Again, if 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 you really want to, you know, go through all the material and so forth, and, and sometimes that's difficult. I've heard some editors who are uh, cutting features, um, big features, uh, um, P.T. Anderson's uh, movies, um, saying saying that the the, the uh, schedules for our first assembly for the studio this year are so tight that um, you know they barely have time to look at all the footage, and that's 
for me as an editor, that's that's a a, a tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> that's an insomnia. That is tough. Boy, yeah. boy. So it's it's a lot of hours. Yeah. Yeah. You have to love it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You have to have your passion. Hey. Uh, well, can you tell us what was maybe your most fun editing experience uh, that you've had? Uh, you know, and and why it was fun. And then conversely, maybe what was the most agonizing editing experience that you were ever faced with? Uh, anyone, yeah. anything spring to mind? Well, it's uh, it's always kind of funny. I uh, I think I think if one is, is loves the process a lot, you, you know, no matter what you're cutting, you'll enjoy. But uh, I think I think sometimes if you're cutting a, a gig just for money, those are the least interesting jobs to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a funny, just a funny story. Uh, when I was cutting, uh, this is quite a few years ago. I was cutting a movie called uh, Prophecy Two with Christopher Walken. Uh, kind of a horror with a comedy comedy mm-hmm. edge to it, and um, I had come in. the uh, The original editor had had left the show. They had to get problems with the director. Brought in to finish the other half and work with this director, and um, uh, kind of change the cut a little bit uh, from its original form. Uh, and we notes from Miramax, uh, Dimensions, uh, Dimension, which is a, a branch of Miramax, saying, right. "Oh, we love the, we love this movie. It's so much better. It's got a better tone to it. Great job, Lose Real Seven. <laughs> and we went, what? Lose Real Seven? Now, this is back in the day. We were we were shooting on film and, and uh, not cutting on film, but the movie was shot on film. Lose Real Seven, and a reel in feature terms is about ten minutes of time, and it was." The reason they wanted to lose it was because it was going to be a straight-to-video movie. They did not want to pay for all these special effects that were going to be part of Real Seven. <laughs> and and so and I had cut the movie to almost like an 85-minute length. And I said, guys, if we cut this out, we don't have a feature-length film. Right. And they said, hey, I, you know all those pregnant pauses you thought were scary and you liked and all that stuff that we made you cut out? Put them all back in and we'll put a big end, <laughs> big end title crawl on the... Uh, on the movie and it'll be 85 minutes it doesn't really matter we're just going to put Chris Walken's face on the video and right. it's, going to, it's going to make millions of dollars anyway oh my and, God. and it was for me a kind of a younger uh, uh, impressionable uh, passionate film editor where uh, the business end of, uh, of making a movie hit me in the head and I went oh wow and they were right it was like the number one video rental for 16 weeks and uh, <laughs> they sold millions of copies and uh, I think they really loved it in Russia. I don't know. <laughs> I guess so, that's like you say, why they call it show business, you know? That's right. Show so, business, not show art. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very good. Very good. Do you have any uh, any stories, fun stories about uh, cutting, um, you know, a Survivor? I mean, that, that really... I mean that has just been so hugely influential in in basically entertainment. I mean it uh, it was a groundbreaking show. It, it, it sort of changed to a degree the face of entertainment, where you know in by introducing reality TV, which you know some people might consider you know uh, a bane or some people love. So uh, and I mean you uh, you basically invented reality TV as far as the editing goes. <laughs> yeah, well, it was an accident, but yeah, I, I was I was called on this show. I had no idea what it was, but um, it, it became yeah, it became a career for me for for almost like you said, twelve and a half years, thirteen years. And and uh, what was great about Survivor, um, 
is that uh, reality TV didn't really exist. Uh, uh, the genre was, was, was coined after our show, but um, the editing process of it was great. It was really kind of like cutting episodic documentaries. Um, because we had basically camera crews following 16 people all around this island. Every episode was three days long. So we had a shooting ratio like no one had in TV. Average shooting ratio, no one knows what that is, about five to one, six to one, which means five minutes, five minutes shot for every minute that's going to be in the show. Wow. So we had a a 300 to one shooting ratio minimum on that show. So no one editor could really cut a whole episode. You needed a team of about four or five guys, and uh, I was one of the, uh, uh, I became a, a supervising editor on that show, mainly because, as I was saying earlier, I was infusing uh, a lot of my uh, movie style on the episodes I was cutting, and the producers really liked it. They said, God, this feels like a movie, and I said, yeah, we can make it feel like this all the time. And so, the great thing about Survivor is because the editors were so instrumental in creating the style of the show, um, we were allowed to be go go free with what we whatever we wanted to do, and uh, it was appreciated. You were talking about directors and producers. Survivor didn't have any directors other than the directors who directed the uh, the challenges, and uh, there was a director who placed cameras for the tribal council. But all the reality, everything, three days worth of stuff, the editors had to go through. Each had to try to find the drama, the best you know, the best comic moments, and so forth. You get a you get an initial kind of story arc from the producers who shot stuff out in the field, but you still had to dig through everything to, you know, find it, make it work, cut, you know, make it, uh, you know. Right, and then you really, you you guys, the editors, really created the narrative for that, I think, right? I mean, just the way you you cut that. I mean, it was very, I mean, you essentially, I mean, you know, almost by default directed that show through the editing, it seems like. Yeah, very good question. Yeah, a little bit. I I, I I sometimes... Coined a phrase called I called us uh, post-production directors because we were we were responsible for you know putting the whole thing together. We were responsible for scoring everything. So there there was over time there was a big library that they, the two composers we had two great composers Russ Lando and Dave Vanagor who who uh, created a great library for us. And uh, because of the schedule, you know, was they wouldn't have time to take a whole show generally and, and compose it from scratch. So. The editors oftentimes did that, and upon upon many occasions, we would commission things for them. You know, it's, right. um, there was a, a particular particular episode that I did uh, that I, I co-produced and edited. It was uh, uh, the famous scene in the Australian Outback where Michael Scoopin uh, fell and burned himself in the fire. Oh, and 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 it was the it was the the footage that told told me as I was watching it that we couldn't couldn't do this show the normal way we did. And uh, they had done a tribal council for this show later after the fact. I said, no, we shouldn't have a tribal council at all. We shouldn't have this at all. Uh, the guy gets burned. Um, he's evac'd out, uh, you know, the helicopter. His, his teammates are crying. It was a big, emotional, powerful show. And at the end, they're all alone, and they're, they're, the, uh, they're sitting around a fire, and they're pouring, you know, they're, they're making a little bit of gruel, you know, in a pot over a fire, and the cameraman just caught these beautiful images of the fire reflecting in, in Elizabeth's glasses, and, uh, you know, with the sun, the sunset reflecting on the water, and empty canoes, and everything's quiet, I go, just, it was, it was a piece of cinema that was mm-hmm. all there, and it was just a matter of putting it together with music, a lot of space, virtually no dialogue, some narration, and then uh, at the end, 
Uh, there's a guy named Roger who was, uh, I don't know if he was an ordained priest or not, but he says a prayer, and they're in this hut that they made, and they're holding hands, and they're, you know, wishing Mike well and stuff, and they say, Amen. And I went, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the episode. Right. And uh, fortunately, uh, I was able to convince producers that that's what we should do. They agreed. We had to convince Mark Burnett, <laughs> who, yeah. was, who was shocked at first. The head um, honcho. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> said, where's the tribal council? We shot a tribal council. And I said, and everyone said, yes, 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 but this is the way to go. And it, it went on the air. 32 million people watched it. And it was considered at the time the best episode of the series. So yeah. we, uh, it hey. was worth it. And all we did, all we did was go for the drama. We went for the real human yeah. drama. Get rid of any manipulations. And, and I right. told you at coffee, we interrupt this reality show for some major reality. Right, 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 great line. And, you know, like you said, it's, uh, you know, your uh, your benchmark or your guiding, your guidepost was the emotions, going for that yeah. emotion in the drama. Hey, now, hey, how, hey, how, I, if, if, how has the business changed since when you first started? I mean, you started, you know, a few couple of decades ago, and are there any trends that you see ahead affecting, that'll affect film editing? I mean... Uh, you know, I mean, with the new media, there's just so much more that that young kids can do if they want on their by their lonesome. They don't have to have, I suppose, you know, tons of equipment, uh, which can be expensive. But yeah, I, on that? it's it's well, it's yeah, I mean, it's it's changed, you know, geometrically, right? I mean, I I started I started cutting movies and everything on film. I was cutting on 35 millimeter and uh, videotape. Uh, then the digital world uh, started becoming prominent about the, the mid-90s. Yeah. Uh, so we cut digitally and everything else. Nowadays, um, you know, and editors have to tend to do more and more on their own. I mean, the editors ha- have to temp music scores and temp uh, sound effects and temp, and you need assistance to help you with this, uh, especially in TV schedules when you only have uh, nine days to put together a one-hour, you know, a one-hour show, the first cut of a one-hour show. Um I would just say it's it's uh, all my favorite filmmakers are are, are not uh, are, are not in their twenties. Um, they still have a sense of space and time and taking a breath. I think um, I hate to say it, but a lot of a lot of the uh, younger generation are watching movies on their mobile phones, you know, right. on their mobile computers, if you will, watching it on small screens and so on. Um, have uh, maybe a, you know a, a faster uh, you know, can uh, uh, I don't know if it's uh, attention deficit or whatever. They they have a, <laughs> maybe a faster way of taking in information. And so, uh, if I talk to some young person about 2001, Stanley Kubrick 2001, I go, Oh my God, what a slow, boring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I went, Oh, okay. So <laughs> I think that's the difference. Where you would rather watch a Fast and Furious movie? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think but, that's pervasive, uh, you know, from, you know, just from what I get from various uh, younger people that, that I know. It, it, I mean, you know, I think it started maybe with MTV decades ago, and it's it's just progressed that, I mean, if you show them, you take them to a uh, a rep house to see an old classic movie, I mean, you know, they just, if it's not bam, 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 bam with the jokes or the drama or the special yeah. effects, they're, you know, they're taking a nap or going out and never coming back from the popcorn run so yeah and I might yeah I I was uh, I don't know I used I used Moulin Rouge as an example um, 
the movie that came out quite a while ago. And uh, very, the very beginning of that movie is 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 uh, everyone's on absence. Yeah. And the movie is cutting at a million miles an hour, and uh, you're just kind of looking at it. And I, yeah. for me, at least, there was nothing emotionally happening. But at at a certain point, once the movie slows down, and and uh, Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor meet each other, and they start falling in love and everything else, I go, oh, now I'm getting into the story. Now I'm getting into the characters. Now I'm getting into, and it's yeah. it's it's still no matter what, you know, even in, in modern filmmaking, uh, the close up, um, looking into a character's eyes, that's where that's where it all is. You know, that's where yeah. that's where so much happens. Well, that's uh, yeah. As you say, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm, I'm betraying my status here and where I'm I'm at with my aesthetic, but I I tend to. Prefer the 1950s Moulin Rouge starring Jose Ferrar, which no one has ever seen, which is probably on DVD, about the only place you can see it, as opposed to the new Moulin Rouge. But then that's you know my own subjective opinion. Yeah, of um, course. And then yeah. there's people who can take that to a high art. There's, um, I just want to I want to share something with who's listening. Anyone who's interested in cinema or how movies are made, there's a great free. Um, uh, uh, Thing YouTube, it's called it's called Every Frame a Painting. If you type in Every Frame a Painting on YouTube, there's this great guy named Tony Zhu who has analyzed film in in so many ways. Whether it's how David Fincher frames a thing, uh, the, the the Steven Spielberg one shot, the uh, how music is used, Coen Brothers, how the Coen Brothers edit and shoot a movie. Uh, uh, and and the reason I bring it up is because Edgar Wright. Who's, who's a really interesting uh, filmmaker who just did Baby Driver, which mm -hmm. I saw, which has yeah. 8 million cuts in it and works really well. It really does. You're right. But it's it, but the concept of the film, you know, being very musical and so forth, and actually scenes being cut to the music and all that, uh, for, the, for the theme of that movie worked really well. So he's a guy that takes uh, comedy, uses super fast cutting everything to it at a very effective level. So, yeah. you get, like I said, in the hands of, of a very talented artist, what I what I said, you know, two minutes ago is, is not going to go. So it's, yeah. that's what I mean. It's, it's very much, when, when you talk about great editing, and there's great editing in those movies, but it's great editing because the director had an amazing vision, style, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and shoots the movie in a way that, uh, you know, when the editors get that stuff in the room, they're, 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 they're having a treat. Yeah, that's great. What would you say, Ivan, just uh, segues into kind of the, you know, ultimate question here. What, you know, there are a lot of our listeners, you know, or some of them hopefully will want to be film editors, maybe, you know, do some work in that area. I know you were you were kind of a maverick. I don't think you ever went to film school. You told me that once, which, uh, you know, right. gladdened yeah. my heart. But what <laughs> advice would you give? Uh, out there the, who really want to become film editors, and, and uh, is there anything you could tell them? Well, I you know I, I kind of smile because I, I me and some friends a long time ago did this. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick always said, uh, you know, if you want to learn how to make movies, pick up a camera and start shooting. <laughs> and uh, which which you can do really easy because you have one in your back pocket. You can literally it's limited. Yeah. You don't have you don't have long lenses and uh, wide lenses and all that kind of stuff. Choices, right? Uh, visually, but but you can shoot a movie with a with a with a camera. You can you can uh, with a with a with a cheap editing software on your computer, your laptop, or whatever. 
you can if you if you can't even shoot anything, you can download the entire world off of YouTube and play with it and edit it and do something with it. And and that's kind of a lot of people do that now, right? They're taking yeah. they're taking pieces of movies and it's it's got almost a I don't, I don't want to call it an art form necessarily, but but juxtaposing all of these kinds of images and so forth, and sometimes just you know doing an amazing job with it. So if you're trying to get into the business and everything else, I mean, it's also watch great movies, watch great yeah. movies, watch right. the best movies that are made, watch the techniques. If you want to watch great picture editing, watch a movie with the with the sound turned off, and just look look how look how a cut occurs on on motion on the blinks of eyes, on, on, on how that invisible art actually works. Yeah. Um, and, and editing is also, you know, there's editing picture, but you're editing dialogue. Your pacing, the pacing of a, of a story is really huge. And if the, if the rhythm works, uh, then that's the ride I was talking about at the beginning. You go for a ride and, and you don't notice ideally the, all the, all the technical uh, stuff that went into making it. Right. Right. That's so uh, and, I, and I just gonna say, getting in the business, I'll just say, yeah. I, just, I spoke at USC and everyone else at USC Film School is wondering how to do it. And uh, always feel free to call people whose work you like, you know. Um, one has to get ready to pay dues. I know it's, it's a cliche. It's a cliche, uh, but it wouldn't be uh, cliche it, if it wasn't true. So. Yeah, so in general, I mean, you can, I mean, I, I had a friend who wanted to make a feature film, and he hired me as the editor and the post-supervisor, and we just, it took us two years, and we were, I worked for free while doing other jobs in between so I could eat, and, um, you know, and it ended up getting into the Venice International Film Festival. Uh, it wasn't wow. uh it wasn't a Quentin Tarantino movie, but it was, uh, you know, uh, enough for a first-time filmmaker to get to get uh, seen a little bit. Right. And so that was fun. And uh, it's it's uh, I you know I, I asked the class how many want to be reality film. No, no one wants to do that. They all want to do movies. They want to do their favorite movies <laughs> and so forth. So uh, and most of the best movies. Uh, this sounds funny, but are being made on television right now. Uh, uh, yeah. You have all all these uh, filmmakers that I was aware of back in the '90s. They're all directing the best TV now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So whether it was Carl Franklin or John Dahl or uh, I'm trying to think of a few others, but guys who were making independent films, uh, uh, low budget films, good films though, things that were being uh, critically acclaimed at at um, festivals and so forth are all making, you know, House of Cards now or yeah. Breaking Bad or, you know, whatever it is. And and a lot of people in TV now either come from feature films and or were highly motivated and inspired by feature films. So so TV has taken on more of a cinematic quality than ever before. And yeah. that's really exciting. And that's where most of the work is. Uh, but you have to start as a, you know, if you're lucky enough to start as a post uh, post coordinator uh, you get into it. You hopefully you get onto a show that's on for a few seasons, and uh, you show interest. And someone, you know, you become an assistant editor, and then you work. As, I have assistant editors right now. Hopefully, on the show for two or three years, and after that, maybe they're allowed to cut a scene or cut yeah. a couple of scenes and everything else. So they show promise and so forth. Eventually, they break in into cutting cutting uh, their own shows. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. hey before good. we run out of time here, I wanted to get in more, just just one question. Um, sure. Um, 
do you think there's more, and it's it, it's on the same topic you guys were talking about, do you think there's more opportunity now, though, um, for someone young coming up just because of the explosion of video and how, like you said, there's Netflixes yeah. in the world? And, and, and can you kind of talk about, is that dues paying? Is it is it that you're working on more um, uh, high-profile projects but for less funds now, whereas before you would just kind of have to self-finance a project? Has that changed at all, or is that self-financing and doing something still you know, something people should be targeting to get started or should they try to do some sort of internship or something else like that? Wow. It's, it's, uh, as someone told me a long time ago when I started, people have done it both ways. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it just depends on, on how much fire and talent and, uh, you know, uh, chutzpah you got, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, um, it's, it's very difficult, uh, to, you know, independent, uh, films, are not what they used to be. And it was, it, there was a heyday back in the 90s. I mean, the Roger Corman kind of thing. Had this explosion of independent directors like Jarp and Soderbergh and Tarantino, the Coen brothers. And, they, and these people were all really good. I mean, they were making, they were making great, great movies uh, at a young age and that happened to be hits and critical, uh, critically acclaimed, et cetera. Um, I think, uh, that, like I said, you, you do have the technology now. You have the, you have the ability to make something on your own at home you can do that uh, a lot of a lot of people are you know I, I don't know how many people are, are, are successful in uh, uh, starting careers in you you know doing YouTube projects you know putting making a little movie and putting it on YouTube but it does it does happen um, uh, film festivals and so forth I can't I, I've been out of that little world for a while so I, I can't, I can't sure. quite tell you how that works but Getting into television, what's interesting, I, I, com- I compare reality television to the Roger Corman days, right. where, uh, where I mean, all the, a lot of the great directors we like, whether it was Scorsese, Coppola, uh, you know, uh, and, and several others, Ron Howard, all did these kind of exploitation movies for uh, Corman uh, just so they could learn how to make a movie, and they, would, and they were able to direct their own stories and so forth. Nowadays, reality TV... And I and I say this with quotations around it because you can move up quickly and edit quickly in reality TV, but it's not it's not traditional storytelling. And and uh, I I just uh, told a few young people if you are going to do reality TV and you want your storytelling chops to be uh, strong, make sure you're watching really good scripted movies and television to help uh, you know tell a good story with the footage that you have. Um, and then some people try to jump, but you have to be careful too, because depending if you're trying to get into the business, uh, you want to be a, you know, a professional commercial editor, cameraman, whatever it is, um, the route you choose is important because, uh, you will get pigeonholed. So it's like, Oh, you just do, you just do dramas or you're just a reality editor or you're just a comedy editor or you just whatever. And it's very difficult. For most people to uh, to uh, jump from one to another, I jump from one sense, to another. But yeah, in that sense, uh, you know, pigeonholing or being typecast goes way beyond just actors and and, and actor actresses oh, and absolutely. directors. I mean, I, you know, it, yeah. it's amazing that it filters down even the film editors. You know, that, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a typecasting town. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Ivan, thanks so much for being on. We're, we're running out of time here, but uh, thanks for being on our uh, first Hooray for Hollywood uh, show, and uh, we wish you all the best in the future. Thank you very much. Uh, Appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. 
Okay, and, and uh, we'll uh, talk soon at coffee, I think. Maybe. All right. Hey, you guys are gonna have to invite me one of these days when I'm in LA. I'll I'll will definitely join you too if that's okay. I think that would be a, a great way to spend an hour. I'll buy the coffee. All right, deal. Thanks everyone. Uh, thank you, Ivan. Thank you, Tom. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you again next time for Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs>